Blog Talk Radio. That was really weird. Did you change the theme? Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Cassandra style, Seth and Sean Sports Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. A little uh, touch of class to Jerry Stiller, who uh, unfortunately passed away this this week uh, at 92, who we all remember as Frank Costanza and from Seinfeld. Seth, I don't know about you, I wasn't a Seinfeld guy. Never watched it. Was I mean, I I watched a show here and there, and when it's on, like, I don't know, when it was on, like, Channel 9, WWOR, and repeats, and my grandfather was watching it, sure, but I wasn't the uh, let's tune in every week to Seinfeld type guy. No, never did anything for me. I mean, there were episodes, there were episodes that I, um, that obviously we've all seen, but it was never any, it was never a top of the priority list. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it sometimes. Sometimes I just was over the top. Um, yeah, no, never. Uh, there were a couple of friends who thought I kind of lived it. <laughs> so it wasn't quite as interesting. Yeah, I, I never did anything really for me. Well, it sucks. <laughs> Excuse me? Uh, that was Jerry Stiller. Oh, okay. I keep going. Hold on. Serenity now! <laughs> I mean, the thing is, look, for those that did not watch Seinfeld or those that are too young to even recall who Seinfeld was um, or is, uh, there was a good – look, if there was a story plot that would have intrigued myself and, and Seth, it was that George Costanza, who was played by – his name is Pete Alexander. Pete Alexander? No, not Pete. Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander um, worked for George Steinbrenner. And uh, was there was always the Steinbrenner in the closet or Steinbrenner in another room yelling at George. And that storyline was, was very funny even to me because that was back when in the 1990s and – 2000 when George was reigning supreme over New York and it made a good it made good fun good fun of George Steinbrenner in fact uh, he once said that he enjoyed watching the show for that so uh, rest in peace Jerry um, each for Ken Phelps <laughs> yeah JV, yeah so uh, they they continually made fun of one particular trade. And it wasn't a trade that wasn't mocked everywhere at the time. 
I believe it was in 1984. Is it 84 or 87? Maybe 87. 88. What's that? 1988. 1988. So you're in September, August into September of 1988. The Yankees are making their annual run. And back in the 1980s, George Steinbrenner had absolutely no tolerance for prospects. If there was a prospect on his team, he traded it. Such prospects that went through the Yankee farm system that were traded included Willie McGee, who was a 1987, I believe, MVP for the St. Louis Cardinals and definitely a batting champion. Fred McGriff, who was traded for Bob... uh, Willie McGee was traded for Bob Sykes. I don't remember who Fred McGriff was traded for. And then you had Jay Buhner, and Jay Buhner was a power-hitting prospect that had come through the minor league system, played for the Columbus Clippers, but George had no tolerance for minor leaguers or prospects, so he made a trade for Ken Phelps. Ken Phelps was a one-dimensional DH who had some power, but lasted, I believe, one or two se- the rest of that season in 1988, maybe one more season in 89. He was in his 30s, and then he retired. And Jay Buhner became probably the second, I was going to say the best right fielder, but until Ichiro, the second best right fielder in Mariners history. I mean, if you were going to make an outfield of, the Mariners' history, it would be Ichiro, and position aside, it would be Jay Buhner, Ken Griffey Jr. Ichiro and Griffey. And, and Ichiro, and that's it. And, and he's one, he would be on the all-time team without any, any problem. He, he played, I believe, his whole career with the Mariners. And over and over and over again, there was a joke on the Seinfeld show that said, you traded Jay Buhner, who played 16 years, for two years of Ken Phelps? What is wrong with you? And what happened was he was saying what everybody else was saying (laughs) at the time (laughs) or later. I mean, nobody understood it when the trade was made. Nobody understood it later. And at the time, you know what? The Yankees still didn't make the playoffs, even with Ken Phelps. So, again... Rest in peace to Jerry Stiller. Um, We are here at, I would say, the crux of sports for 2020. I mean, if you were going to say the next two weeks are the most important two weeks for sports, at least for the summer and fall of 2020, I don't think, Seth, you'd be overstating that. In nope. in the plan in the planning, in the testing, in the in the scheduling, I think we are there. That if sports is not planned, I'm talking about the the past spring and the summer. Maybe not the I'm not talking about the NFL just yet. But if it's not planned in the next two weeks. We're not going to have sports this summer. I think that's a fair assumption. Yeah, I think that that's I think that's the actual assumption is that we know you know baseball is now isn't throwing a proposal now at the players. The NBA I think is they're having a player vote on Friday 
Um, soccer comes back June 1st, it looks like, the EPL, which is something. The UFC came back Saturday night. Uh, the NFL is still planning, as of now, to have a full season. So if it is not done by, yeah, pretty much by the end of May, by Memorial Day weekend, I think you're looking at a postponement for the season of baseball, especially. Um, you know, the NBA being an indoor league, if you decide to move it an extra month or two, it doesn't. It can be done. It just means the 2021 season will be pushed back. 2020 slash 2021 season will be pushed back a little bit, and that's a discussion that we've actually had for years. Whether it started too early anyway, and but baseball doesn't have that luxury. That literally, if you're not done by give or t- the playoffs done by the beginning of November, the weather doesn't allow for it to continue. And for look, if if, if all goes to hell in a handbag and basketball doesn't come back, basketball will still survive with, with, with popularity. I can't say the same for baseball. Because this, if baseball can't their act together on this, this is a fan base that has deteriorated, diminished and deteriorated over the years based on a variety of reasons. And whether wrong, if the millionaires versus the billionaires can't come to some kind of agreement, there's going to be, you know, while all of us are waiting, dying, really, to watch some version of sports, it's not going to be forget. It's not going to be forgotten, and it's not going to be easily forgiven. Yeah, I think there's two points here. Number one is baseball. If they do decide to play, will be the first ones playing. I mean, in yeah. the United States. I mean, EPL aside, right? Basketball is going to need at least three to four weeks to get up and running, and they're not even looking to start until probably July. If baseball wants an 82-game season, they need to start July 1st. Like they need to be the first ones out of the gate. They have the ability, what, and it's unfortunate that they have this ability, but they have the ability to turn sports directly on baseball and baseball only for probably a good three weeks. And as much as Seth believes that it's the dog days of summer, that baseball is losing popularity, and it is. They can that's not me believing good... it. That's, a, that's truthful. Right, but they could gain a whole lot of that goodwill back Yes, they could, because there's no other game in town. Right. I think it is very much – look, before we we stepped on the show, and if you'd like to call on 760-283-0846, I was telling Seth I am this week, and it's only Tuesday, it feels like Thursday, am going either 100 miles an hour or zero right now. If I take a break, I'm basically sitting down and I'm exhausted, or I'm going 100 miles an hour with my job right now. That's the only way that baseball works this year. It's either you're full in or you're sitting out. And there's really no middle ground for this. And it is 82 games enough? No, it's not. Yeah. I agree. Seth, I agree. 162 is, is too many. But 82 is a really truncated schedule. 
But you know I what? Mean, As a one-off anomaly, it'll be interesting. Because oh, the agree. teams that get off to the quick start that typically fade in June, July, that quick start could get you there this year. Yeah. And the teams like the Yankees, whose pitching staff is pretty decimated by injury, and we're really kind of supposed to survive the first two to three months. And then July, August, September, August, September kind of come into play. Well, it, 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 could, be, it could be very different. Um, oh, yeah. It's a sprint. It's not a marathon. It's a sprint for the first Which time. Which makes it more interesting. To some people. Like when you – so yeah. let's, equate, let's equate this to 1981. Okay, so that's the only yep. that's the only real I I guess barometer that you have. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll get to why baseball's in peril to begin with, and it has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. But in 1981, the players went on strike. And I believe that there were 112 games played between they basically had two seasons. They had a first half and a second half. And between the two seasons, they had 112 games. And those hundred, and they, they, the playoffs were basically the first half winners versus the second half winners. There were no wild cards. It was four teams in the playoffs, like it had been for decades. And here we are. Granted, there were, I believe, only 24 teams. So that does play into this a little bit. What they are proposing right now is an 82-game schedule where, Seth, 14 teams make the playoffs. This is like the NHL. Yeah, but as we said, this is a one-time anomaly, and you know that. So, it's to me, first of all, it's an anomaly, but also it gives you the opportunity to experiment a little bit and see if – I mean, look, 14 teams to me is way too much. But, again, I'm more of a traditionalist. You're going ha- to have playoffs where there's going to be no basketball competition. Now, typically, there isn't much anyway, to be fair. You're probably not going to have college football. You may or may not have NFL football at this point, because I still think the season will happen. I think it'll be, it may be delayed, though. It's a chance to try a few other things that you would never get the opportunity to do otherwise. I mean, this is almost like what I'm telling clients of mine right now. That, look, you're not making money right now. Take the month or two, refocus, restructure, figure out other ways to pivot to make your business run better when this, when this is done. Try things. And that's how I think baseball has to look at this. And if you, nobody is going to listen to a salary dispute right now. Nobody wants to hear it. So, if, you know, and again, we'll discuss that a little bit later, but this is, I think, the one time you have a chance to try a few different things and see what plays out because you are going to be the only game in town for a while. So, see, and my two cents. All right. So let's, let's think of the stuff that they have been trying to play. So, so the issue that I have with that, and, and I get your point, I do, is that at the end of the day, this season is going to count, right? It's going to count in history. It may have an asterisk next to it, but it's still going to count. 
going to count for your Hall of Fame. It's going to count. In 30 years, people aren't going to look back and say, wait a second, that was the corona year. It's, it's not going to happen. You're not going to look at no. it that way. So are you all of a sudden going to start extra innings with a guy on second base just for this year? Like, to me, this is, that's insanity. I mean, you want to change, and I'm not sure how much you're looking to change the rules to try different things. But remember, these are things that have been proposed before in that in the extra innings, we don't want to use up players, so we're going to start players at second base. I, I don't like that rule. I, that, exactly. But how far are you willing to go? I get the seven playoff teams. I don't like it. I really don't. Because, again, so that means there are seven playoff teams in each league. That's 14 teams. So 60, uh, 40% of the league is now going to be in the playoffs. It is conceivable you can have an under 500 playoff team that wins the World Series. Yes. And we've had 83 and 79 teams in the World Series. Like we've, or get to, we've, we've seen stuff along these lines before. Yeah, I'm, so I'm not sure yeah. why it, it's that it's that crushing to change. And again, I, I, again, I look at this as a one-off. I don't look at this but, as a, as a permanent solution. But will you look at it a, as a one-off when you compare it historically? That's my issue. Is that? No. Because think about it. How right. many people remember 1981 that there was a strike? You know what people right. remember from 1981? That they remember Fernando Valenzuela. That's it. Right. But you're, and you're that the Dodgers finally point. beat the Yankees. That's it. But, right. But you're making my point here. You're stating that because of when you look at it historically, you're going to say, oh, it was just another season. There are guys that have missed out on the Hall of Fame because of 1981. Because they missed who, four who, home runs in, 19, in 1981. Or they didn't have 20 hits in 1981, so they didn't meet magical numbers. Tommy John would have won 300 games. He didn't. He won 300 games. He finished, I think, with 287. So, would he have won 13 that year? Probably not. Would he have won eight? Probably Gone into another year, another year at two ninety five, probably. <laughs> Tommy John, I'm just saying like, two thirty. But that, I mean, that's a, to me, that's a silly argument. He he pitched for twenty six years, and I get it. for him to miss four games, good guess. He said the nineteen eighty one, they paid about one hundred and twenty games, so he missed eight starts. So maybe he would have won four. Okay. Or five. So let's let's play it a different way. Do you think Fred McGriff makes it into the Hall of Fame with 500 home runs? Yes. Okay. 1994. Strike. Fred McGriff ended, I believe, with like 496 
In fact, I'll look up how many you, you, you wasn't very yeah, much. Yeah, no, I, I get, I get, well, that, we're talking two different, but neither, 494, where there was no, yeah. Look, the strike, I'm not going to say the strike is helpful to anybody, but, and look, there's probably a few anomalies. And yeah. McGriff in 94, when they had no World Series, is certainly one. But as a, as a whole, I'm not concerned. That's an anomaly, dude. There may be okay. three players well, I, where that impacted. I will tell you, it's funny you say that. I will tell you one guy that absolutely was helped out by the strike. Do you, do you have any idea who I'm going for? There was a guy helped out by the strike. Was it Matt Williams? No. Matt Williams was hurt by the strike because he would have broken Maris's record in all likelihood. Yes. Okay. So the it guy wasn't that was Kennedy. hurt by – Nope. You're close. You're, in the, you're on the right path. I don't, I don't remember who – I have a feeling once you mention this, I'll remember it. But I don't so remember Jeff off the top Bagwell, of that. Jeff Bagwell was helped out by the strike. So Jeff Bagwell won the 1994 MVP, and he had amazing numbers. I mean, he had a sick like, year. Sick year, sick year. Three days before the strike, he broke his hand. He would yep, have been out the rest of the year for the rest of the season. Okay, I do remember that. Jeff Bagwell made the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying only based on the fact that he won an MVP, but it certainly helped him. Yes, it did. Because it was the only one he won. It was the only one I think he came close to winning. Exactly. So some guy was helped by this. <laughs> we look at it that way. But I get, look, I get your point. I, I just have a – I haven't – I don't understand why you have to – the only reason they're increasing the amount of playoff teams is to increase the amount of money. Of course. That is the only reason. And that is troubling. So you are, re- you are changing philosophically the sport. Now, I know I'm, I'm being naive in that most of the things that are changed are because of money. I get it. But this one just goes, this one just goes off the reservation to me. I don't understand why you need 14 teams in the playoffs other than the fact that you want more money. Play a longer regular season. Play a hundred games and have the same four t- five teams in each in each division in each league. I mean, they're already looking to wreck the leagues for this year. So I'm kind of curious as can the Yankees and the Red Sox play in the World Series? It would be the, it would be the greatest. It would be the most highly watched series in the history of baseball. Right, but. It, it, you could have the Met. So the way that my understanding is to limit travel, they are re, they're going to have three divisions. How you have three divisions in playoffs is a little different, but you're going to have a West, a Central, and an East. So, no, the Yankees and Red Sox can't play in the, in the World Series. But uh, the damn. Mets and Dodgers could. Fair, the, Red, the Red Sox aren't going to the playoffs this year anyway. So Okay. But I'm saying the Mets and Dodgers could. I get the point. The Braves and Dodgers could, and that looks awesome in those record books. <laughs> I mean, wait, the Braves, it just oh, the Braves and Dodgers. That'd be funny. Yeah, I mean, and then you have the Universal DH, 
which I get because you don't want to throw you don't want uh, pitchers blowing out their arms. I get I get what's required. I just don't understand the stuff that's not. Okay, so now, first of all, if you'd like to call in seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six, we'll probably go to five forty five today. Um, unfortunately, I have to jet off fifteen minutes early. Um, so, and these podcasts. They're podcasts, so we can end them early. So why is, Seth, you, you, you read an article just recently. I don't want to take all of this. Why might we not have a baseball season, even if it's safe? Uh, I think you're the expert on this. You're, you are our resident cap- capologist. So, but the idea being that there is an enormous gap between the owners and players on salaries. And there is a variety of rationales and this and that. But the gist of it is they had agreed the owners and players had agreed on the deal to cut about fifty to prorate to prorate for all intents and purposes. However, the owners are saying that they can renegotiate this because there's no fans in the stands meaning there's going to be no revenue from, there's no gate revenue. And they can't support, the, the owners are arguing they can't support the salaries without the gate revenue. And the players are like, tough shit. Pardon my French. Is that a very quick and high-level way of explaining? Oh, yeah. That's definitely a high-level way of explaining it. And Seth, if this was the first that we're hearing about this, I think all sides would be open to a negotiation of some sort, right? I mean, we're all in a COVID-19 environment, right? Stuff happens. You have extra innings with a guy starting at second base. I mean, things un- unusual things are now happening. Um, but the issue isn't that it's COVID-19, I think everybody acknowledges that we need some sort of change to the way that the salaries were going to work this year. Remember, baseball is 100% uh, guaranteed salaries. It's also the only major sport without a salary cap in any manner whatsoever. There is a luxury tax, but... That luxury tax is really high. <laughs> I mean, ridiculously high. You're looking over yeah. $200 million. For, for argument's sake, let's understand that the NBA salary cap is about $110 million, with the luxury tax in the NBA about 100 I think it's $140. Yeah, no, I, th- I think the tax is 140 and people can go over that tax and pay it. But I think the tax itself is 140, and then you have football, which is a hard cap, and that cap is about 140 hard, which means you can't go over it. And then you have hockey, which I believe is in the 90 million dollar range. So those are your four big sports. So you have hockey in your 90 million. You have football, which is a hard cap, at 140, 150 million. You have your NBA, which is a soft cap, 
which the cap itself is about 120, but in the luxury tax about 140 or 150. Let's call it another 10. Then you have baseball, where there is no cap, and the luxury tax is over 220. Like the economics, Seth has said this forever, that the economics in baseball don't make sense. Because as a sport that is declining, granted revenues are increasing, but revenues were only increasing because of gate. And here we have a point where the gate is not existing for this year. So a couple of weeks ago, actually it was six weeks ago, the MLB and the Major League Baseball's Players Association. Oh, and by the way, these two guys don't get along. Like, that goes into this, too, right? All the animosity between union and ownership when it comes to baseball, because there are no salary caps, nobody ever has to open their books. And Major League Baseball owners have never opened their books. And there have been strikes, and there have been lost seasons. So there's no friendship, that you had with, like, sure. Gene Upshaw and Paul Tagliabue, or you had with Billy Hunter and I don't know who would be with Billy Hunter, but the concept is they're not friendly <laughs> at all. And so here we are six weeks ago when Major League Baseball said, you know what, guys, we understand that there's a problem here. We don't have a force majeure clause in our contract. So legally, they were required to pay every single player's salary for the entire year. That's a whole lot of money. And the Players Association said, came, to, came to the table and said, okay, we understand. Um, the deal would be $170 million paid to the Players Association to be excuse me, to be distributed to the players as they see, as they saw fit. And then if there were games played, they would, the players would be paid on a pro rata basis with $170 million credited towards those players. So in the event that there are no games played, the baseball association, baseball players make 170 combined. Let's understand that 170 combined is half of what Clayton Kershaw earns over his career. So it's not like that's a whole lot of money for these guys. It's a whole lot of money for you and me, but it's not a whole lot of money for these guys. And now the issue is that the baseball owners are now saying, you know what, that deal just wasn't good enough. And they have come back to the table and said, instead of giving you your annual salaries, we want to tie this to revenue. Well, when you tie something to revenue, there are only two words. There are only two words that are coming out of that baseball union's mouth. Seth, you got those words for me? Does one start with F and the other start with an N? No, that wasn't where I was going, but yes, that's part of it. Um, first of all, they're saying that's a salary cap. That's number one. Yep. And then they're using the two letters that Seth just said. 
There is no way in hell that the Baseball Players Association is going to agree to this. None. None. They wouldn't have agreed to it six weeks ago, before the $170 million. Seth, we may lose a whole season of baseball for no, just because the millionaires and billionaires can't get along. Yep. Has nothing to do with COVID-19. Wait, say you lost. Can you say that one more time? I said it has nothing to do with COVID-19. Yeah. We completely. I mean, it may be totally safe, and these guys still can't get their acts together. And that's the unfortunate situation of baseball right now. And there is a uh, proposal on the table from the owners, which includes this 50-50 split. And I believe Tony Clark, who is the head of the Baseball Players Association, is going to use those two letters, F and U, to the owners. And then we really find out how how much these owners want to play. Because, and if they don't play, can the game survive? Can ownership survive? And before you tell me that the owners have millions and billions of dollars, they don't. Seth, explain to me what liquid capital is as opposed to uh, capital invested. <laughs> Do I really have to explain this? I want you to explain it with, with regards to ownership of franchises. Why these guys are not as rich as they may seem to be. They are rich, but they do not have the liquidity because they have things that are tied up in investments that can't be liquidated. Hence, why they need the, the daily the game the game revenue, which is coming in on a on a constant basis. I'm assuming that's where you're going with this. In part, I was also going with the fact that most of their wealth is actually tied up in their baseball team, and the fact the other- that they can't. They can't draw on that baseball team. And while they may be worth $3 billion by Forbes, and the team may be worth $1.8 billion, which means they only have $1.2 otherwise allocated, they can't draw on any of that because the $1.8 is just equity in the team, like it would be equity in your house. Until you sell it, it's not money. So Jared Jones is worth like $4 billion. But $3 billion of that is tied up in the value of the, the Cowboys. He's not really liquid of $4 billion. So when these guys say that they have to pay a normal, um, normal salaries, without receiving that gate revenue or that constant annual recurring revenue, Seth, you could see – I, I envision bailouts from the, from the league. I am, if, if this doesn't if, – if there's no change, I see ownership being forced to sell. They can't afford it. And it sounds crazy, but it's true. 
That's what happens when you don't have a, a salary cap. That's why it happens when you're the two hundred and fifteen million dollar, um, two hundred fifty million dollars worth of salaries, like the Yankees. And you can make the claim that the players are actually in a better situation than the owners. Yeah. Although apparently it was interesting reading in the article, they were saying that a significant percentage of the baseball players are living paycheck to paycheck. So who the hell knows? But that's not actually all that. Is that really that surprising to you? Well, what's the minimum salary at this point? Is it three hundred minimum? Oh no, it's it's got to be more than that. Hold on, I'm looking it up. Minimum MLB salary. I think it's more than that. It's $563,000. So who exactly is going to pity these guys? Oh, I don't think you're going to get pity. I don't think you're going to get that, but are you really surprised that Baseball players, and remember, when they were playing in the minors, they were earning, what, $20,000, yeah. some of these guys? I mean, per season? Like, let, let, let's go to the guys that are in their third season and were not given a huge bonus to come out of high school or college. So they've made $1.5 million, roughly, over the last three seasons. But they, but they were earning $20,000 the four seasons before that. So I'm not surprised these guys are living paycheck to paycheck. I don't think the Clayton Kershaws are living paycheck to paycheck. If they are, then there's a bigger problem going on. Then they have Scotty Pippen's financial problem. Oh, but, But again, a lot of them yeah. are spending at home until you know while they're making twenty thousand dollars a year. So I get it. But for the players who are, you know, if you're if you are, you've been in the majors, and your bare minimum got it five hundred and sixty thousand dollars, and you're living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to have a lot of pity. You know, even if the look the agent takes. Five percent and taxes are forty percent or whatever it is. You know, you and I do pretty well, buddy, and neither of us are smelling that number anywhere in the near future. And we live quite comfortably. No, but I'd like to say we're probably a little smarter than them, than them too. I hope so. But yeah, yeah. Well, look, Mike Messina went to Stanford, so not all. Smarter than Ron like Darling. Yep. Ron Darling with me out. Smarter than others. Yep. All right. So we got five minutes left because we are going to cut off at five forty-five. So I'm hearing a ton of feedback. So why don't you go first? Oh, I'll take you off. So um, what do I want to talk about? What do I want to talk about? I guess congratulations to the UFC. Um, and you know, I am not I'm not the UFC fan that I used to be, and I don't I didn't watch, but I did follow what was going on. 
I know there are a lot of people who were very felt very felt grasping for any sporting event known to man. And for all intents and purposes, look, you had one guy who was taken out and his you know, that and there was no there were there were no there were no fans. There was very few people in the arena. But you got a legitimate sporting event. And you know, when I have friends who are literally betting on going on twitch.com and betting on 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 NBA 2K games that are played by other by random people, you know, we grasp at what we can get. What's what's what? I mean, you you're the big sport, big movie quote. What's the quote with Michael Douglas, an American president, when they're looking at the water in the desert? I figure you would oh. know better than I do. Hold you know what on. I'm talking about, though. Yeah. Darn it. That's a, that's actually a great quote, too. Thank you. Um, yeah. Nope. Look, I, I, I'm totally... Wow. I am totally losing it here. I'm looking it up. It's a great quote. Um, right, they want leadership. Oh. They're so thirsty for it, they'll call through the sand, to the desert, to a mirage, and when they discover there's no water, they'll drink the sand. Yep. President President Shepard Lewis, we've had presidents who are beloved who couldn't find a coherent sentence with two hands and a flashlight. Well, that sounds kind of familiar. People don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. They drink the sand because they don't know any better. Because I think that's the last part of it. Um, sorry, I'm trying to, yeah, they drink the sand because they don't know the difference. So, I mean, they know the difference, but it gives us something. And you know, and I know you haven't watched The Last Dance, and that's, you know, it, it's been fun. It's nothing great, but it's been enjoyable. And the last two episodes are on Saturday, on Sunday night. And they're giving us little things. And this is, look, when I talk to my friends and you talk with yours, what is everyone really missing here? We're missing sports. And, you know, look, neither of us are big, as I said, neither of us are big MMA guys, especially at this point. Um, oh, we didn't talk about Don Shula. We probably should talk about that next week. Um, we didn't mention it last week. But it's a starting point. And look, hopefully baseball can get its act together. The NBA can make some decisions. And we can, and you know, in a month from now, there's something to look forward to. Because this is tough enough without sports for this to go through the summer. And my kid's not watching a little bit of baseball and a little bit of basketball. I don't know who's going to go crazy or him or me. So it's, it's completely selfish to think of it that way, but I do. So there you go. No, I'm totally with you. I'm trying to look up another quote that is um, – Can you believe I pulled the movie quote on this, on this damn podcast and you didn't? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. It. it was. And I'm trying to find one to match you because I know that there's one that I'm coming up with. Is and it, it's from National Jack. No, it's from National Treasure. Where where he says to the president, um, blah 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 blah, and the president goes, "People like that don't believe in that stuff anymore." And Nicholas Cage says, "You're right." but people want to believe in it. And I think that's some, 
uh, that goes to Don Shula, right? So I, I was going to talk a little bit about Shula in the five minutes, and we can talk more last, last next week. But Larry Zonka says a uh, was quoted by saying he found in one game the Dolphins and the Steelers were playing, were practicing in the same locker in the same field, and they only had one set of locker rooms. So Larry Zonka obviously changed in one of the Steelers' lockers. And he looked around the the Steelers' locker because he wanted to play a prank on his old friend and found actually the Steelers' playbook in the locker room, in in the locker. Yeah, I saw this. So so he he takes out the playbook and he gives it to his assistant coach. And his assistant coach, he says, look, I don't know what this was. He plays stupid and says, but here it is. And the assistant coach goes and takes this to Don Shula. And Shula says, Shula takes it, and they lost the game. And after the game, Zonka goes up to the assistant coach and says, what did you do with the playbook? He's like, well, I gave it to, I gave it to coach. How did we lose? Well, coach looked at it and ripped it up. And said, if we can't beat them fairly, we can't beat them. We shouldn't be beating them. And in a time where distrust is pervasive, and we just spoke about so much with baseball and so much with unions and so much in our lives going on right now, Seth, I know where you uh, – we both read this on Peter King's Monday morning, football, football Morning in America – which was great. It was refreshing to see somebody play by the rules and not care that he lost because of it. He cared that he lost, but I really believe that Don Shula would have cared more if he had won and cheated than if he had lost and played by the rules. And from all accounts, he wanted to win, but he only wanted to win the right way. And I think that's something we should all take a little bit. Okay. For Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, 47 minutes. We had a great time this week. And uh, we will uh, see you next week. Uh, We'll talk more about Don Shula um, for now. Serenity now! (laughs) Have a good week, everybody.